Hello everyone and welcome back to Models by Enyata. So today is actually quite special or this episode is quite special because we are having our first external guest. Now, this person is somebody that I have known for a very long time. He's a very good friend of mine. Uh, but he's somebody that when it comes to tech, marketing, growth, he's, you know, one of the people who has been very active, very notable in the field. Um, you know, I'm just going to say his name, introduce him, and then he will tell us all about his journey. Um, his name is Fermi Ajitomobi. He's a brand storyteller. He's a good marketer. He's... See, his CV is very long. So, uh, <laughs> hi, Fermi. How are you doing? Hello, Dolakbo. It's nice to be here. Yeah, it's actually very nice to have you. Um, so, I like to say introduce yourself with one fun fact about you. Doesn't have to be related, you know, with your career, sir. Um, I sell CR burgers, but I don't like burgers. <laughs> so, that's one fun fact about me. Oh, yes. I don't like burgers, but I sell them a lot to people via um the side hustle called knife fries it's called knife fries not new fries it's not new fries <laughs> it's actually it's actually nigerian fries because it started with akara fried yam sweet potato then as we grew up we started to evolve and we added um burgers sweet burgers yeah so that's it so i sell burgers but i don't like in fact everything i will sell i'm not really a big fan of eating them except the turkey okay um so back to the thing that we are here for um i'd like you to touch on maybe a couple of minutes on your journey how you got into growth marketing and um you know how far you've come just go ahead um for me it started right from when i was in primary school i know people always have like these backstories and still since when i was a child but <laughs> actually mine started in primary school and the very first experience i had with anything writing creatively was um the indomie competition back then there was this commission we used to have in school where you'd write an essay and you'll be ranked. I wrote that essay, I think, 20 minutes before getting to school. My mom was rushing and she was like, just write anything. I wrote it and I won in the entire school that time. Oh, and amazing. <laughs> thank you. Ever since, I have found myself writing little articles, blog posts. And in 2011, I used to, from 2011, I used to run a very small blog. I just... Um, some years back, I finished high school, so I was, I was writing a small blog while waiting to get into the university. On getting to university, I did not touch much on it. I just kept writing on Facebook, threads on Twitter. That time, there were no threads on Twitter. You would do one, one yeah. then you post another thing. So people would just keep on following. I'm like, okay, one, two, three, and use a hashtag to ensure that it was all together. Followed on by that, I started working with a friend called Dejifanion. He ran an agency at that time called... Uh, in Fusion Media and a number of campaigns for like the Maryland Mall in Lagos, Skate City, and a couple of other brands that I cannot remember right now. After that experience, I was able to run a couple of campus activations for brands like Alat, Meristem, and then I moved on to join Cowrywise. How I joined Cowrywise was very yeah. funny. <laughs> I just sent a DM to the account then because just that time was 1,000. They had 1,000 followers. I sent a DM and the co-founder responded to me. I made a proposal, joined the team. I didn't plan to join the team. I went there for sponsorship for an event, but I got them to come talk at the event. They hired me to join the team there as social media marketer, brand storyteller. And I remember 
at the beginning, I didn't have so much experience. I was posting throwback and I posted these Babadudu pictures and the co-founders called me and like, no, this is not part of our brand. So yes, from there, went to Okra. From Okra, I did some contract work at Nestcoin. And currently now, I'm at Flutterwave. I do consult for a number of other brands, but I am leading on retention for our retail products at Flutterwave. Um, that is quite a journey. And I want to go back to that Kauri Wise because I feel like Kauri Wise was one thing, like was a very monumental phase of your life. Mm-hmm. And this is coming as not just like a friend, but also someone in the industry. Because yeah. I remember there were times when, at a point, whenever people were having issues with the product, people actually reached out to Ferrami. And Ferrami was not the customer service person. Ferrami was not the... He was he was sort of like a hard hoc um, face of the brand. I remember there was one time I tweeted something where I was like, if you go to the mirror and you say Kauri-wise three times, Ferrami will, will appear. And that was how... And I think Yeah, I remember, was, I, remember, I remember that too very much. I yeah, I think I it was that ownership that was like one thing that I always admired about like what you do. And it's amazing to see how far you've come. Like, you're one of the people that, you know, whenever it comes to grow marketing, I like referring you and all of that. Yeah, they should bring money, you know. Like, <laughs> they should bring money for me. Yeah. So, now... You've, you've touched on a lot of things. Like, they're all a part of a bigger strategy. But you've talked about brand storytelling. You've talked about marketing, social media management. And right now, you're in charge of great marketing. And the truth is... No, no, no. So, let me clarify that. Okay. At Flutterwave, we have a couple of teams. We have the enterprise side. We have the retail side. All right. And on the retail side, you have the head of growth. One of, like, the best people I've ever worked with. His name is James had good experience with Alibaba and currently leading the retail side at Flutterwave. Now, you then have subdivisions of acquisition and um, and retention. So I work on retention primarily for products like Batter, Send, Flutterwave stores and Disha. So after we've acquired these people, how how do you make them to pay you money? How do you keep them in the product so that's the entire okay. structure right but do, do i can i just refer to you as a great marketer yes yes so okay. we all we all use the title james my colleagues james harvey and i will use the same title good marketer. okay so um now you're a great marketer right and all of this follow like a similar trend and i've always like been fascinated about like the evolution right now i'm still in my marketing and communication phase i still haven't like landed in that great phase so i want you to talk a bit about that evolution and you know pointing out the distinct um you know differences or the key or so take for example you have a startup that is has just launched as they are growing what are the things that they need to incorporate into their branding for them to go from just branding to just maybe to maybe like communications and then from communications to growth like what are those things that they need to touch on Mm -hmm. or incorporate into their larger strategy before they can move from just like normal marketing and communications before you can now move ahead to like growth marketing okay so um at the end of the day brand storytelling social media management growth marketing everything you start from the idea of trying to build a relationship with your customers or your target audience. So the brand storyteller is basically looking at the brand like a person and writing an autobiography of the brand 
so that you fall in love with the brand. That's what the brand's way to like. I don't know there's attraction to the brand. The social media marketer is managing the front face of the brand to ensure that you fall in love with the brand. So at the very core, it is you just telling a product story in a way to drive adoption for that product. Where the growth partner comes in is prior to the evolution and the introduction of things like good marketing, lifecycle marketing, email marketing, whatever they call all of them, yeah. it was simply awareness on top of the funnel. How do you acquire people to get to that part of the funnel? Now, the growth marketer is looking at it from end to end, so much to the bottom line impact of all the marketing efforts. So the person has become, person has, and it still falls under lifecycle marketing. Anyway. So what I would just say is this person is one that owns the end-to-end marketing okay. with respect to the bottom line of that particular product. That's simply what you will say as growth marketing. So it goes beyond the top of the funnel throughout the entire flow. So with marketing, basically, and I feel like this is just me talking to you because mm-hmm. we, we do have like a lot of similarities. We often like have conversations regarding this all yeah. the time. But, um, you know, when it comes to growth marketing, I've always felt that... Um, growth marketing is something that impacts like both like the internal and the external part of like a business Mm -hmm. because when you're talking about marketing and communications it's it's dealing with like the external perception Mm -hmm. and also like the the people outside like who do we want to draw in so that we can you know get the money in our pockets yeah <laughs> yes. I feel, yeah I feel. but we growth growth sort of has like this internal impact to it and mm-hmm. it's something that has always fascinated me because generally with growth marketing you don't always have to there really i don't want to say there really isn't an internal strategy to it but the, the efforts of whatever it is that you're planting into your growth strategy always impacts it internally. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's like one thing that has always like been... Fascinated Yeah, that, that has fascinated me. But I've always thought like, does the nature of the business, the nature of the startup, does it affect this? So take, for example, you have a B2B um, startup, a B2C startup. Um Will the growth strategy, um, does the growth strategy for one, you know, is it different from the growth strategy of the other? Um, and if it's a product-based startup versus like a service-based startup, um, will the growth strategy be different from the other? Okay. To answer that now, yes, B2B startups, B2C startups, people say, okay, there are different levels of marketing and um, the different approaches to how you get your customers. There's no lie there. There's really no lie there, to be honest. There's there's no lie. So, for for example, a B2B business will be chasing after leads. They may nurture the leads to drive conversions. Why a B2C person, when they give you your money, instantly, they're expecting you to convert. So, the major difference between a B2B marketing approach and a B2C marketing approach is the conversion cycle. Okay. It's longer for B2B. You have to do like thought leadership. You have to have a lead nurturing funnel. It doesn't mean that with B2C, you don't have lead nurturing funnel, but the conversion cycle most times with B2C is shorter. And there's a lot of chaos in B2C because you're dealing with multiple people at once. You're trying to build, iterate yeah. different cohorts. And <laughs> different it's, personalities. It's weird, actually. It's broader, but B2B, 
there, I won't say there's no stress in B2B. There's stress in B2B, but yeah, it's harder when you're doing B2C together. So the major difference is the conversion cycle and the stages of that conversion cycle. Now that I think of it, I think you've been like, you've been in the chaos of B2C a lot. Yeah, I've tried B2B once. Um, I wouldn't say I particularly liked it. Maybe I like too much. I love B2B. Life. Like, well, I feel like with, with B2B, it's like the structure. I love the whole, like, we are thinking of all these things. Like, it's a process. We are seeing it, like, with B2C. <laughs> B2C, I'm always very, like, scared of, like, dealing with people because... Like, if you're with a business, you're very much professional in your approach, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's that empathy, you know, from one business to the Another other. Business. You can relate to... So, you don't really cast us if, you know, things aren't really... Working favorite. out. Exactly. But with B2C, is like, why is this? And then, pa pa pa. Social media is like, boom. And, yeah. and I'm like... So, that drama, that drama can be very interesting sometimes. Like, you wake up and... is It's... It's a rush on some days. Like you wake up and like, oh my god, what's happening? But it's really interesting. I like the drama. Uh, I, I like. Don't. I like the drama. <laughs> I like the drama actually. I I, I like always drama. like go for B two B. I never like approach B two C. Um, but what about product marketing and for for people who are more into like service, like their offerings are more service based? Can you like rephrase where we are saying the difference between product marketing and service? So, okay, so Enyata right? We are very much service based. You bring, um, we have a service for you. We render the service depending on the nature of the contract. It could be recurring, but we are not necessarily selling you a product Mm -hmm. that you are going to be interacting with. Unlike with say Flutterwave, Flutterwave has a product. The store is their product. We, we are doing something for you. Like a service, right? Yes. Now the product could offer a service, but I always feel like I'm, I'm asking if when it comes to interacting with a particular product, Mm -hmm. because with um you know you are offering a service that is in form of a product but the customer the businesses are interacting with that product yeah but with the service there is no product so it's just me and you mm-hmm. and the manifestation of whatever it is that we have agreed upon or whatever it is the business is offering yeah so, so is there is there does the presence of a product affect things like your strategies or do you think that at the end of the day we still have like a, a general playbook um, so we do have a general playbook but there's more intentionality about product-led growth when there's a product do you understand so for example now you're using a carry wise or a pillow fund app or something like that now there are steps in the product that kind of nudge you to drive growth on behalf of that product as a user you do a b c and you get some kind of nudge to do this but on the service side also you can integrate it but it's not going to be as seamless as the product side so say for example, someone is in Enyata, a course. They yeah. take a course, they've done the course and everything like that. For the Enyata Academy. Enyata Academy, for example. Yeah. You've got into stage two. You send them an email like, congrats, you got to stage two. You embed a UGC. UGC, for people that might not know, is user-generated content. content yeah. So a UGC nudge to share that they've gotten this certificate yeah. and everything like that. So this kind of thing. But it's just easier when you have like a product-facing, um, you have a, a, a facing product that people can interact with. Those kind of embed... Um, embeddings can be easily done in that process. So there's really not so much difference, to be honest. It's just the interaction points that are quite different. Okay. Well, that's good. So, um, you're talking about intentionality with, um, you know, growth. 
and i feel like in order to be able to the result of intentionality is usually measured by certain metrics mm-hmm. so let's talk about how you measure growth yeah so and again it still goes back to you know marketing for me with marketing and communications i have my kpis and those are usually hinged mm-hmm. by a lot of like analytics mm-hmm. um but when it comes to measuring growth i know that it might be a di- bit different but a lot of those like marketing um you know measurements also play a vital role if not might be the bedrock <laughs> of what you used to measure your growth but you know from as a growth person as you know a growth authority um how do you measure growth so first of all i don't think i'm a growth authority yet i'm still learning maybe one day <laughs> there are a couple of things i'm doing i have some certain benchmarks in my life that i want to hit so probably say for example a 5 million user product i can get it to a 34 percent activity rate and then you can say this guy has done growth well right now i'm still learning but yes um to answer your question when a product is made there's a core value of that product and that's what the product team focuses on so today these days now you have things like growth product managers that blend product management and growth all together take the product to market so there's a core value proposition what marketing will basically do is awareness of the product this product does abc then you get them to acquire sign up and become on the product what growth would be measuring at this point in what growth will be measuring at that point is this is the core value proposition of our products what percentage of the target audience of people that we're targeting are using that core value proposition of the product so in defining your growth metrics we have to understand what is core usage of that product when you understand what core usage is of that product you then start to ask yourself how many users do we have how, what percentage of our users are making use of that core feature yeah. our users are what percentage of our target audience you know so like i said at the beginning the growth person is looking at it from the end to end to see how it affects the bottom line what gives a pillow funder and product now money someone comes into the app they sign up they make a deposit into one of its plans what gives a netflix money someone signs up on netflix they set up a subscription and they watch maybe one or two or three movies now it's different from netflix because there's a very high tendency that if i don't watch a movie at least once or twice in a month and i might not subscribe, subscribe for yeah. so you see growth at that point in time is now looking like how do we get this engage person to actually the, watch yeah, movies that the so you see things like um we thought you would like this movie you've watched this movie yeah. so you would like this movie. so all those things are actually growth experiment to see how it retains and get the person to actually keep on watching that movie the people one using netflix you know so that is how we would look at it so in summary what percentage of your users are taking the core action or the core yeah the core action in your product that's what they that's the core growth method in anybody looking at. okay um so the thing is um moving on like from that conversation i also want to build up on the culture that we that growth is starting to you know set for you know the marketing the product aspect mm-hmm. of of um let's say the ecosystem yeah. so i have worked with a product facing like growth team at canva and I see that there, there is a lot of, you know, we are 
working towards X to Y. We're currently at X, but we have to start executing for why mm-hmm. as opposed to marketing and you know just your normal marketing where it's like we are walking towards x to y and mm-hmm. we are actively doing things that would keep pushing us mm-hmm. to y and that's one of the things that i feel like a lot of you know people are now starting to build on you know we are walking towards the future now let's start putting things down like mm-hmm. it's no longer a we are moving and moving and moving and it's oh at the end of the quarter what did we do and all of that is like at um you know a million users or a hundred million users mm-hmm. by the time we get there we need to have established certain things so people are now like very much establishing things for the future and i think that is also trying starting to sip in into like startup culture where people are now like very conscious of valuation Mm-hmm. because it's it's really really like we went from and I, and that was something again I, I okay before we move forward i want to say that every opinion stated from this piece of microphone is not reflective of the modus by enyata brand or you know the enyata company as a whole so personally for me i feel that there's a lot or focus on things like valuation or things like funding because it's it's very indicative of like of i don't even know what to call it is it the 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 prospect like the it makes the particular company seem very valuable seem like okay it's it really would be able to achieve the growth rather than a company that is like okay this is where we are Mm -hmm. let's just gradually yeah let's just gradually move from there like so I want you to speak on that. And because a lot of these things, it's pretty much quite overwhelming. And we are seeing it with a lot of like, now, I don't want to say it's creating a bubble, but you can see that we are seeing a lot of posturing with people. We know that we want to achieve growth, but startups are now starting to, to, to operate or, you know, create perceptions like they are already well established and they, what do you think of that let me just start there and then we can move on um so there are three major ways to yeah. value a company's assets okay valuation which is the way you value like your banks and things like that what how much assets do they have mm-hmm. then there's any potential discounted future and that is the possibility of what this company based on what they're doing now yeah. can end in the future then there's the market valuation yeah. The danger, as I mentioned, is that other companies that are similar to them, that, that, are, that want to be sold like them, might not be undervalued or overvalued. Okay. So when you say that, are they posturing, are they trying to um, not, I would say like, posture and attract funds? I think they're jumping the gun. That Let me just put it that way. So it's not necessarily a question of jumping the gun. If you don't collect the funds, your competition is going to collect the funds and you will die. Without money, <laughs> you will die. So going at the days where it was, let's make money and grow. Let's make money and grow. It is now a question of, do you have a good plan? Let's give you this money so that you can reach this valuation at this time or at that time. Do you understand? Yeah. So that's that's what it is currently at the moment. Are there people that are posturing? Yes, there are a lot of people that are posturing. That's normal. 
it's going to always happen. Because if you look at cloud commerce, like the stuff that he was very much, um, the CEO was very much like, he he was very much after devaluation. Like it was in everything that it was obvious that I think he let that sink too much in his head that he wasn't even ready to to you know be realistic with his expectations aside from all his other shortcomings. And I feel like is this something that we are going to see more of? So um I do not have an opinion on cloud commerce because I didn't read the story. I heard about the story, okay. but I didn't read the story. What I think the real challenge is is there's a lot of market valuation going around without clear defense. I'm not so I'm not I'm not attacking anybody here, yeah. just to be clear. Market valuation in the sense that oh this company did this. Let's value this company based on that. Okay. It is not going to always work that way. It's not going to be the right thing. Do you understand? I'm a big fan of any potential. That doesn't mean that any potential are actually the best at the value company. I'm a big fan of valuing people based on what they've done and the probability of their growth rate. You can be very wrong, just but I would rather I would rather take that than valuing a company because a similar company has done ABC or a similar company has been valued at this one before. So I do not I do not believe that. So yes, a lot of people are just focused on that valuation, raise the money, exit. They're not growing. They're not dipping that company at all. Okay, so. Um, before we move on, I want to ask, this is a question I ask everyone. Um, what has been your worst experience since starting this journey? Growth marketing? Yes. Not not growth marketing, like in your entire career. What has been the, the worst, the most ridiculous thing you've ever had to encounter since starting this journey? Um, there are a lot of very, very funny moments, but I think... Not the most ridiculous, but the one that made me learn and just like, okay, this will never happen again. It was a time where there was a crisis at um, at um, Carrywise where a customer had an account hacked and it became like an issue of we were not responding on time, on time fast enough. But I think I saw it on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, on Twitter. Yeah. So it wasn't, so the first thing I learned from that was we had this mantra at Carrywise that was they still have the mantra and it's a mantra I just took on I took on from there you do not try to defend the product when there's a crisis because you're going to just come off as insensitive and stupid okay but that was a mistake I made I kind of forgot that mantra at that point in time and I made we made a statement and we said oh our system is very secure like she wasn't even talking about the system yeah. but we were trying to defend the system it was clear that it was a hack from her end but she wasn't even attacking it she was just like Respond to me fast enough so that we can help sort this out as soon as possible. But we didn't, I wouldn't say we didn't do that, but probably our response time was not as good enough and it was a whole mess. I remember that night I just kept sleeping, my heart was beating, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> it was very messed up, it wasn't even... B2C. Yeah. <laughs> like, it can happen, so funny enough, it can happen with B2B also. Yeah, I know, but like with B2B, it's it worse. usually starts with emails, right? No, it's, it's worse. It because is? if, for example, you are a security um facing part of a, of a b2b yeah. and there's a breach the customers can see the company they can also see your company's name yeah and they will drag you and once a very big one it's terrible because if you now power other businesses that customers are going to actually shout on their behalf also so that's so that experience taught me two things when there's a crisis no matter how pressured you are except somebody's going to die <laughs> you don't respond within 24 hours you wait for 24 hours to pass 
And when you start your statement, no matter how crazy it is, take a fall as the company. Because for there to be a crisis, more often than not, the company has a blame in it. So take a little fall and acknowledge that probably you could have responded faster. You're not happy about how things went. Then explain things after. So empathize. So 24 hours break. Empathize. Do not blame the customer because at that point in time, you're in the court of public opinion. Nobody loves brands. They can say, oh, I love this from this person. But once it's a consumer or a customer facing a brand, the court of public opinion will be on the side of the customer. So that was the most ridiculous experience for me. Okay, that's nice. So let's talk about trends, right? And one of the reasons why I feel like with your journey, you know, one impressive thing I think is that for a lot of times, the strategies that you've implemented or things you've executed have been very, I say fresh, you know, okay. you know, your, your strategies, the tone of voice that you've adopted was still like very new. The tone of voice you adopted for Kauri um, Wise, um, that Kauri Wise adopted, let me just put it that yeah. way, um, was still very fresh. And I know that you were instrumental to that, you know, the... The email marketing strategies was something that was like I think that was one of the things that really, really, really influenced the brand perception at the time, and that was like really nice and even community too, you know. But now I feel like you know everybody is playing by a certain rulebook, and we are starting to overdo it. Mm. This is my opinion, by the way. Again, kindly refer to the disclaimer that I put out before. But, you know, everybody is doing influencer marketing now. And even I look at it and I'm like, hmm. are, we, are we sure? Like, did you did you really think this through before you looked at influencer? Did you look at your market? Did you look at your target audience and look at the kind of leads this particular um, brand or this particular persona will be bringing and think, you know, will they be able to use my product or, you know, use my service? Or, you know, now everybody has some events that they are doing. It's um, it's um, some festival. It's some, you know, community thing. Our community is now like a huge thing now where everybody, you know, you you launch today you do your product um you know six seven months you do your pre-seed and boom community and i'm like okay i see the will i say i see the value in those kinds of strategies but come on (laughs) (laughs) we have to admit that there are some that are actually quite ridiculous so um you know, first of all, I want to, you to talk about like being, I, I want you to first talk about influencer marketing. Um, what do you think of influencer, the reality of influencer marketing now in the ecosystem and sort of give us like what the ideal influencer marketing, um, you know, should look like, what the I- ideal influencer marketing should look like? Um, so when you talk about influencer marketing first, that. The idea is that someone who has a community that people respect and want to listen to. However, what we've seen over time is most of these guys do not necessarily have communities. I mean, that the influencers that have communities, they're just, even celebrities might have communities, but they're just guys that are probably funny, amplifiers, 
that are people popular. find funny yeah. are popular that's that's just it do they work very well they do work with the lead generation or just with awareness awareness lead generation conversions they work it's weird but they're easily saturated yeah so they don't help with conversions per se like maybe sign ups and things like okay. that how i believe influencer marketing should work which i have not fully executed myself before but i hope to execute very soon with the particular project i'm working on is first you have the very big influencers the macro guys the top 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 then you it have is. the micro then you have like the really niche influencers i strongly believe that whether macro or micro if you're using a b2c product the influencing you're having with that um whatever influencer it is should not end at the acquisition it should go through and through like from there to the product so there's a tailored onboarding for people that sign up through whatever the influencer's link is a very simple example piggy vest pillow cowrie wise you have an influencer that works for the brand for example yeah and they create a link you sign up through that link or you sign up through a code the very first welcome email you should be getting because i came through that influencer should be from, from the, the influencer. influencer yeah hey welcome the reminders probably for like the first three months should be from the influencer the savings challenge that you want because i'm coming from the influence community should be from that influencer i'm running a savings community a savings challenge with pillow with carry with piggy vest you should join me so it feels more natural like because one of the things that we've noticed is that a lot of influencers are not necessarily users of that product yeah. so you need to actually like create that flow to make people understand okay this person is a user of this product that's why they're inviting you to come and join us and everything like that you understand so yeah. that's how i deal i see influencer marketing should happen and that can only happen for people that have communities yeah. if you try it with someone that just has pseudo fans that just like them on and off you will see that the conversion will not work as well as it should work do you understand but someone that has a, a true community that also it's work so my check first of all is there should be an end-to-end flow of influencer marketing and you should go after influencers that have an actual community um okay so giveaways let's move on to giveaways okay yeah um same format um, what do you think of what is being executed right now and what um and match that to what you know the ideal giveaway strategy should look like? So giveaways have two I'm not a big fan of giveaways. So giveaways have two functions. Like you said, when you when you have investors telling you we need to get to a hundred signups or two hundred signups or two hundred thousand signups within a specific period of time, the fallback strategy for most brands is giveaways because they would obviously drive traffic to your site. The ideal way I believe giveaways should happen is they should be embedded with product use. You signed up. You made your first deposit. I'm using, sorry, I have to use like, or you made your first purchase. Okay. You get a UGC that says, tell the world about your first purchase. You share your, you share the your first link, purchase. Yeah. Your link. Not even like just share, like I just made my first purchase okay, on, on Yata stores. Yeah. It goes there. And that's that's life it's it's on you earn 10 points or 10 and yatas or something like that you have that in your wallet we're going to move on to tokenization (laughs) (laughs) so then you keep on doing things in the app you refer somebody Mm -hmm. you earn some points you do this you earn some points at the end of the month the e-commerce platform 
the e-commerce platform tells you, oh, your 100 points is equal to 10,000 naira. However, mm-hmm. if you don't spend this 10,000 naira still on the e-commerce store, mm-hmm. within the next five days, it will expire. Further, the only way you can spend this 10,000 naira mm-hmm. is if you are buying something of probably 20,000 or 15,000 naira. You're giving away money. But, but it has been tied to products used yeah. and it's all embedded in products. Now, if someone has done that, they've done a lot of good products used over time, yeah. they'll end those points. You can now give them stuff. Like, okay, today's your birthday, we'll send you a birthday cake or we'll send you uh, bottles and things. Why, for example, I do not believe referral programs and um, and any sort of giveaway should be open to people that are not active users. You have to be an active user before you get access to a referral program or any sort of giveaway. So tokenization, because like every time you open an app that has like, that, that you know, that you have to use your card or, you know, that has like this financial thing, um, you know, first of all, boom, wallet, boom, something coins. And it's like, do you think that, you know, that is... It's really necessary. Um, for retention, if done properly, like I just said, like there's a yeah. milestone approach to it. Yeah, it's necessary. Because I'm not asking for it. I'm using your product already. And you're just telling me, oh, this extra stuff is my product. What I believe the future is, is someone who can build an inter... Whatever Network. it is. Yeah. Internet work. Where if I end points on, say, Piggy Vest, mm-hmm. I can use them on Jumia. If I end points on Jumia... I can use them on. So there are a lot of loyalty systems that work like that already. So basically, a stronger loyalty system would give more value to all those points. Okay. Um, and um, events. You know, there's something fest, you know, always going up. Another thing, dev, and one other thing, this and that. Like, what do you think of, like, the event culture now? Because personally, again, my opinion is that I'm, I'm seeing, um, you know, Everybody wants to own like a community-led initiative. But I feel like, again, my opinion that ideally, if you really want to, for community-led initiative, it should be about the value that you're offering. Mm -hmm. So if you see that there is something out there, you really shouldn't, there isn't really isn't a need for you to convert something for yourself, mm-hmm. you know. But if you're talking about from like a capitalist, you Point know, endpoint, what's in it for me, rather? <laughs> Sorry, mm-hmm. um, you know. Then you talk about doing your own thing, but like seeing how like there's a lot there. You you know, sponsorships shouldn't hurt people. And when you see people coming up with their own first, and it's like, kitunlele by like. <sighs> Are we not tired? <laughs> like, so what do you think of, of that? And what do you think ideally should be? A lot of events were originally designed for communities. And why brands used to partner, still partner with events is every year new people are joining that community and you want to get access to that new market to yeah. extend yourself and give value and things like that. But I've started to realize now that even though I believe events should drive conversions, I've started to see that events are more of an awareness play mm-hmm. within that community more of an awareness play within the community there you understand so that's how i am starting to see events on owning your own events or community like you rightly said there has to be value there the reason why people would own their events is 
from my experience, you get more conversions when you run your own events. If you partner with another person's event, you're not necessarily going to get the conversions. And when you own your own event end-to-end, the conversions are usually higher. It's costly, it's more expensive, but the conversions are usually higher. But that experience of the event should actually be value-driven and not necessarily want to sign up, want to get con- You will get conversions and everything, but you have to offer proper value. So say, for example, you're a finance product, a deposit or a savings product, something like that. You organize an art exhibition for a certain community of artists. Okay. You're not telling them that for every artwork that they get to sell during the exhibition, you're going to invest X amount for them in their savings wallet and like that. You're still getting them to use your product, but you offer them value already by letting them do that thing for free. Paint or do whatever okay. it is like that. So yeah, value first. Okay. Um, so one um, w- one more thing we need to talk about before we round up, and that's, um, you know, with digital marketing versus like, you know, let's say non-digital marketing your traditional marketing and i feel like people are now so immersed in the tech of it all that everybody is going very digital and you know with the events there's still a lot more traditional but even in trying to create awareness for those events there's a lot more um emphasis on the digital you know, awareness of everybody's digitalizing things. Mm-hmm. Like, do you ever think that, first of all, do you think traditional marketing will ever get to the point where it becomes irrelevant or obsolete, especially in Nigeria? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, do you think that when it comes to like, the, there would ever be a point where you really don't need traditional marketing for some campaigns? Okay, so... When people talk about marketing, it's also about distribution. Does the digital market have a wider distribution at a cheaper rate at the moment? Yes. So that's why a lot of people are moving their marketing dollars to digital channels. I mean, there's nowhere, there's no radio station, there's no TV station that will collect $1,000 for me and give me the impact that I need. It's not possible. You have to spend and spend on traditional channels. Do I think that they would fade out no i don't think so i just think that probably we just just go digital so in my car i'm just streaming my radio from the internet and it's still the radio do you understand i don't think they're going to go extinct i just think there's going to be a digital face to all of them so no they're not going to go extinct don't believe so primarily primarily because first of all in nigeria the tech the, the internet penetration forget the heavy data that you see it's not that great so a lot of people still depend on these traditional channels for growth okay um so lastly let's talk projections right mm-hmm. um now everybody is in this um setting up or establishing notoriety in everything that they're doing what do you think would come out or is there a new is there something or a new initiative that you're seeing in people's growth marketing that you think might be the next thing for say marketing within the ecosystem so what i see happening within the ecosystem is more of internal influencers okay where brands are grooming their employees to become influencers particularly b2b businesses grooming their employees to become influencers or even grooming their own influencers do you understand okay. and i see a a an approach of brands beginning to make their own movies so they make a movie built around your value proposition and distribute it effectively thanks to Netflix, Hulu, and a lot of other things like that. So those are three things that I see 
happening. Referral marketing is starting to lose steam because people mm-hmm. are gamifying it. Yeah. However, what we're now seeing is the tailored approach of referral marketing to seasonal periods mm-hmm. where Christmas is coming, you build a specific referral campaign for um, that period. So yeah, that's, those, are major, those are major projections that I see. Internal influencers are going to be a very big thing okay. come five years from now. Yeah. So, um, again, one other thing I've, for people who are considering the marketing communications, and I always, this is something I was saying yesterday, that of all the different arms of this tech ecosystem and the tech adjacent rules and everybody is creating their own community thing you know there's the dev you know communities you have the product communities but with, with marketing and communications it's just like everybody just did their own day nobody you know everybody you know there might be some things you know mm-hmm. but usually it's usually like a one arm of a larger goal like mm-hmm. you know product a product um community has marketing enlisted in one of their models or something but you don't really have people you know coming up with like marketing communities oh yeah 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 so there's there's demand curve for example yeah strictly for growth marketers there's um product marketing alliance for product marketers yeah there's tech marketers hub run by so there are rising um communities what has happened is that you started the, the entire system started with dev- developers yeah. so you expect that they will be the first to have their communities i mean you're already even starting to have product management communities because one way or the other product managers are those yes. that like drive the creation of the product yeah and though it might sound unfair marketers customer experience specialists have always they've always yeah. been treated as the bottom that was tier where i was going to the, the, the hierarchy to exactly it all. so bottom so tier do you think like this new communities per se because that's where i was going to like now you have like this new communities popping up but they're still at the early stages do you think that they have the potential to bump the entire marketing communications growth to a point where like in terms of the perception of the entire career, like we are now at a space where people now regard us on the same level with the, you know, the the people they feel are more instrumental to the growth of the ecosystem. Okay. Um, yes, they can, but I think it depends on the individuals at the end of the day. You have to be extremely relevant. So for example, for me now, I've picked up some skills with product management, some skills with coding. Mm-hmm. And... That's really the future. Like, how relevant are you in this space? Not coding because I want to code, but because, for example, when people are writing requirements to engineers or product marketers, yeah. do they even know what to talk about? And that's why they're like, okay, what do, what do you know and everything like that? And developers still have these nonsense thoughts that <laughs> a product can grow itself. And to be very yeah. honest, some products can grow themselves to a certain level. So they don't look beyond a certain level because it can happen they really don't rate yeah, marketers. You know, so yeah. It's going to take a while, but yeah, we're getting there. I mean, I've seen companies where marketers are earning on par with developers, if not even more sometimes. Are those like, you know, there is um, a marketing, um, you know, there is a product company that adopts tech and then there is a tech company that you know marketing because you know there is that. I'm talking about tech, tech companies actually. A tech company where oh that's impressive. Yeah, I'm talking about tech companies. Where that with them, yeah. Okay, now. Nah. <laughs> 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 
my loyalty is still like <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah that's um thank you very much for this this has been very much enjoyable thank you for having and even me as our like first external guest this is like people should send me money <laughs> all right we will send you thank you notes and you get something for me thank you so um, much yeah thanks um for everyone who would like to reach out for me um is there anything you'd like aside from your twitter twitter so just your twitter um yeah. we will attach it he's um a underscore ferami from yeah yeah a underscore ferami on twitter um just twitter so um thank you guys very much um our next episode we will be focusing on product design and um, we have a lot of questions lined up and we'll be addressing the beef between product designers and product managers and exactly. engineers. engineers so um yeah um see you guys and um i think that's it thank you thank you everyone